We are in the middle of a study in the book of Hebrews, and we come to a section today where the author of Hebrews, which was really a pastor, a preacher, and this is actually a sermon, is going to, to interrupt his flow of thought by saying something that's very direct and hard to hear, because he's going to tell them, you're not listening. You've become hard of hearing, or better yet, the word dull. I don't know if anybody has ever told you specifically, you don't listen very well. Uh, maybe a close friend or a spouse, maybe um, your husband or your wife said to you, you, you are not a good listener. Your children certainly probably think most of you as parents are not good listeners, and to be honest, they're probably right. Um, we don't listen very well. I know after church on most Sundays, it would be common, because we do it in our home, to ask the question, what did you think of the sermon? Uh, how did you enjoy the sermon? Which I think is an interesting question. Um, but how often do we say, how did you listen to the sermon? Um, were you good at listening? Did you prepare on Saturday night for the way you would listen on Sunday morning? You need to know every time I preach, I have preached this to myself and am preaching it to myself. And I will tell you, I must do that because I am a poor listener. The noise in the world outside of me and the noise inside of me is so loud that like the people who are about to be strongly exhorted, it's really, really hard to listen. This is not the first time in this letter this preacher has called out their listening. He did it very early in the letter, and now he's doing it again. And the reason he's doing it here is because he's about to teach them something that is so substantial, so deep. It's the heart of the letter of Hebrews that's going to take a number of chapters to unfold. And he's going to say, this is actually hard for you to hear because you're dull of hearing. It's not because the doctrine is too difficult, but it's because you've become dull of hearing. Now, every time we seek to unpack the word from this pulpit, or really anywhere within a, a Sunday morning community or a small group in our church, we seek first to understand what the author was saying to the original audience. What did this pastor preacher this sermon have to say to this small house church. When we understand what he was saying to them, then we can begin to see how it applies to us. And it does apply to us. The word of God always applies to us. But in this context, there's very significant things for us to see before we move on to the rest of the letter of Hebrews. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to look at just a few verses found at the end of chapter 5. I'll begin reading at verse 11, and we'll read through verse 13 or 14. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, this is your word. And as we get ready to come to it, and as we get ready to come to the table, here before us is your means of grace. Prayer being offered, your word being opened, read, and preached, and the table, the sacrament, an outward invisible sign of, of an inward invisible grace is given to us, our Savior Jesus. We pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears even now, that we would be made different because of what we hear. And in hearing, we would be quick to come to you with grateful hearts. For Holy Spirit, only you can make us hear. Please have mercy and make us hear right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why would the author of Hebrews say what he just said? Remember that any author of Scripture was not writing his own thoughts in isolation. The author is always being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, that's kind of, that was interesting. We're talking about hearing and <laughs> that wasn't on purpose. The same Holy Spirit that was carrying along the man who preached this sermon to this small house church is the same Holy Spirit that's living inside you and me now if we're in Christ. The same Holy Spirit revealed to this man as he was writing, whoever it was, we still don't know, that the people that you are going to write this to have become dull of hearing. Those words need to be told to them. Why? Because when we're dull of hearing, we're experiencing something that is very dangerous. In fact, one of the hardest things to read, and I think all of the New Testament, is going to come in chapter 6, which we'll move into next week. Danger exists when we aren't listening. Danger spiritually exists when we think we're listening, but we're not really paying attention to what the Lord is saying. And the most significant thing we can do as his people, as his creatures, is to humble ourselves continually and ask him, how well am I hearing your holy word? Many of you will remember as children going through schools, especially if you were in the public school, I guess, that there would be times when there were health screenings. Um, one was you would be given little red tablets to take home, and then you would brush your teeth. And then after you brush your teeth, you would chew the red tablets, and you would smile. And what you would see was whether or not you are good at brushing your teeth. The more red, the more room for improvement. How many of you remember that? You know, a lot of us did that as children. Along with those health screenings also came hearing tests, where you would go to the nurse's office or in the auditorium or the gym, earphones would be head, put on your head, and then you would hear tones. If you heard it in the right ear, you raised your hand, your right hand, your left ear, your left hand. Various tones would be given, and that would be a simple, basic health screening. If there was concern, a note would go home with you, and then your parents would make an appointment with a doctor to see if there was a real issue. Well, here we have a man being carried by the Holy Spirit who is not relying 
on some test to know whether or not they're listening well. He's being told by the Holy Spirit that they're dull of hearing. And that reality is being evidenced in their lives. They are tempted in the midst of persecution to fall back to their old ways, to fall back from what he is saying about who Jesus is, who Jesus said he was, that he is superior to the angels, he's superior to the prophets, and he's the superior high priest. And if they don't listen and understand that, that specific doctrine about Jesus being the great high priest, they will fall back into error, and it's dangerous. And so he speaks, telling them very bluntly, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. I want to talk about that word become for a moment. What that means is that at some point in the life of these Christians, and they're Christians, early in their life, they weren't dull of hearing. They heard well. They heard the truth about who Jesus was, and they embraced it. But the author, carried along by the Holy Spirit, says you have become dull of hearing. And what that means is that you don't have good hearing once, and therefore good hearing forever. It means that you could be sitting here right now, a man or a woman who's been in this church or another church like this a long time, but today your hearing is really dull. You've become dull of hearing. Maybe a year ago or 10 years ago or 25 years ago, that wasn't true. But over time, you have become dull of hearing. And what he is saying is listen. Listen carefully. Pay attention. These people who at one point in their life were not dull of hearing and therefore didn't evidence a life that was dull of hearing have become dull of hearing. All of us have that tendency, that ability in our flesh to wander, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That happens when our hearing becomes dull. The author, preacher, pastor, carried along by the Holy Spirit, then uses two illustrations to explain to them the dullness of their hearing. The first takes place in the classroom. In verse 12, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles or elementary principles of the oracles of God. So what this author is saying is, by this time, because of what you originally displayed with ears that weren't dull, and because of the duration, the amount of time that you have been in Christ, knowing Christ, you should be much further along than you are. You should have advanced. Now, when a woman gets pregnant and begins to see a lot of different things happening in her body, 93% of the women who get pregnant are going to pick up a book by Heidi Murkoff called What to Expect When You're Expecting. 93% of you. 
38 million of her books in the What to Expect series have been sold. In 2011, she was one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. The book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, went on to What to Expect the First Year. I read it five times. <laughs> what I loved about the book was each month on the What to Expect the First Year, it would say very boldly and very clearly, what your child should be able to do, dot, dot, dot. What your child may be able to do, dot, dot, dot. What your child probably will be able to do. And you would look at those things. And you would begin to gauge the health of your child and the development of your child. If the things under the should are not present, you ought to seek a professional to look at your child. That's a book that, that has a measurable example of what maturity and development of a child in the first year of their life should look like. Spiritually speaking, God's word doesn't give us something that's specific on a timeline, timeline like you've been a Christian one month, you should probably, you, sh you, you may be able to, you should, but let me tell you this, God's word is very specific that anyone who is in Christ should have a life that's bearing fruit. And the life that's bearing fruit is giving evidence that there is a, an ear and an eye that's open, a mind and a heart that's thinking and feeling right. There is maturity and growth that's taking place. So that when an individual looks at his life or has others look at his life, they're able to say, this man, this woman, this child, they are following the word of the Lord. And what the author of Hebrews is saying to this specific people, you are not as far along as you ought to be, given what you know or should know, and given how long you have professed faith in Christ. He says you should be able to teach. Now this doesn't mean that every Christian is gifted with teaching or preaching. It doesn't. But what it does mean is that every Christian, as they advance, ought to be able to teach the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you have to be submersed in every doctrine, in every theological area that God's word speaks to, but it does mean that you as a growing believer should be able to teach the truths of God's holy word. He leaves the classroom and then he moves to the dining room. Verse 12, he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So he tells them, by now, you should be living on solid food, but instead, you're living on milk. When you live on milk, you're still immature. 
You're still an infant. Specifically from this passage, it says you are unskilled in the word, lacking discernment between good and evil, not training and practicing with the word, and not growing or maturing. Very clear things spoken directly to a people because the Holy Spirit has revealed those things about them. But then he says, we must leave these elementary teachings. That's what you'll see at the beginning of chapter six next week. We must move on. And what he is teaching is that we who hear the gospel, who have ears that aren't dull but are open, are going to advance. We're going to grow. We're going to mature. We're going to develop so much so that when looking at our lives on the outside and the inside, we can actually see transformation taking place. He goes from the classroom to the dining room. As we get ready to come to this table to feast, I want to give you a few signs to look for in your own life and in the lives of others that you're walking with Jesus. I'm simply going to mention these because I don't think they need much explanation but I hope that you will write them down, if not physically on the bulletin or in your Bible, in your heart. First, six signs my hearing is good. Number one, I'm growing, I'm developing, I'm maturing. There's fruitfulness in my life. Dear friend, if that's true of you, then celebrate God's grace. The ordinary Christian life should be defined that way. This growth and development and maturity is not for those special, elite. It's the normal, ordinary reality of what it means to abide in Christ. First sign, I'm growing, developing, maturing. Number two, I'm hungry for more. One sign that your, your hearing is good is that you're hungry for more. And what that means is you show up at mealtime. If you're hungry, you show up when it's time to eat. And the time for God's people to eat is Sunday mornings and in small group Bible studies and in community groups and recovery groups and one-on-one. -on -one. Your time in the word by yourself. It's mealtime and you're hungry for more. You're hungry for more because your ears aren't dull. You want more of God's word. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Number three, a sign that you, you're hearing is good is that you are able to teach. Again, that doesn't mean you're called to stand in front of people and teach. You might not have that gift, but if someone were to ask you a basic question of Christianity and theology, you could tell them what it is. Number four, you're able to discern the word and discern the difference between good and evil. If you can do that, it's a sign that your hearing is not dull, but good. Number five, and this is really important, you are living out the word that you hear. You see, it's not enough to simply hear the word. The Pharisees heard the word. Even the devil and the demons know the word. But true believers whose hearing isn't dull when they hear the word, 
of truth. They don't just nod amen to it and walk out with no, no desire to seek transformation. They hear it and know that there is a call to obey. Jesus gave us that great example at the end of his Sermon on the Mount between the wise and foolish builder. They both heard the word, but only one built on what he heard. He built on the rock, the foundation. And then number six, a sign that your hearing is good is that you regularly, humbly have your hearing tested. That means on a day like today, when you hear what has been read from Hebrews 5, when you hear what I'm preaching, you are saying to God, God, is this me? Help me hear. If your first reaction was, I'm glad he's preaching on this, because a lot of people need to hear this. <laughs> your hearing is dull, and that's dangerous. We love to deflect. We love to even think it's deep if we have some prophetic insight about other people. That was the Pharisees, and they were dull. They were dead. We must always humbly, when the word of God is open, ask the Lord to evaluate our hearing. Brothers and sisters, six signs you're hearing my hearing may be dull. Number one, I'm not growing. I'm really not growing. There's no evidence inside or outside of me that I'm maturing and developing. Number two, I'm not really hungry for more. Even when I show up at mealtime, I'm not really present. Number three, I'm not able to teach. And I'm not saying again that you stand up in front of people, but you would say right now, I don't think I could answer the basic questions. Number four, you're not discerning the word. You're not really discerning good and evil. Number five, and this is very significant, I'm actually satisfied where I am. No brother or sister who's truly in Christ, this side of heaven, ever says, I'm satisfied where I am. Because we're not yet there. One day we will be. Lastly, a sign your hearing is dull is you're simply unwilling to evaluate your hearing regularly. My friends, how do we move from a posture of dullness to one of thriving, from one of poor listening to good? How do we respond? Well, the answer is the same every Sunday. We actually sang it a few minutes ago when we were singing the beautiful Behold the Lamb song by the Gettys. There's this phenomenal phrase in the fourth stanza. And so with thankfulness and faith, we rise and respond and to remember. Every Sunday, a sign that your hearing is good is that you rise. And in rising, you give praise to God, responding to his gospel of grace, remembering what he has done. How do we move from maturity or to maturity from a place of dullness? 
we cast ourselves on Christ. We ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and minds. And we avail ourselves regularly of his means of grace, the word, prayer, and the table. This table is meant to feed our souls. It is a table for Christians to come forward and be fed, to remember what Christ has done because of our dullness, to remember that we have been saved by grace for great things as his people. Those who hear, hear because of grace. And those who continue to hear, continue to hear because of grace. One profound dullness present in the church today is this, and it's what they were tempted to revert back to, and that is that I must clean myself up, get my life in order, start hearing better and no longer be dull, and when that happens, I can come forward. When that happens, I, after cleaning myself up, can come forward. You will never come. You will never come. You never could come. But because of Jesus, your high priest, the one who closed that gap, who died that you might live forever, you, child of the living God, come. You come to give him praise because even today you've heard his voice. Jesus said, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, I know them. They know me. They know my voice. If you are in Christ, this table is for you today. If you've not professed faith in Jesus Christ, the word of God tells us to offer a strong, encouraging word to you to not come yet and take these elements, lest you would eat and drink judgment on yourself, but to ponder what you've heard. And if what you've heard today is stirring in you to the point where you're saying, I want to be in Christ. I want eternal security. Then pray now for Jesus to save you. Pray to the one and only high priest the one and only Savior of the world, and surrender your life to him. If you pray that prayer, that is a sign that you have heard. It is a sign that you belong to him. For all who are in Christ already, we will exit towards the center like we do and come to this table. Those in the balcony, once we dismiss everyone, please come forward and get in any row that you come in. This is not something that we seek to exercise quickly, but something that we want to pay deep attention to. If you're unable to come forward, simply raise your hand and we will bring the elements to you. As beautiful music is played and then sung, think deeply of the words that you're singing. And if you desire prayer, there will be men and women in the corners. Matt and I will be in the back. 
we would love to pray with you. This is God's table for God's people. Rise in a moment and remember what you have heard. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come together as the body, we come so thankful for the meal that you have provided for us. The meal of your word read and preached and the meal of the sacrament. Lord, we ask that as we prepare to partake of these elements and then partake of them, that we would sense your powerful movement in our lives, that even now we would be made different because of who you are in us. Bless this beautiful moment in the life of our church together, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.